welcome to Noisy Fulfillment, a Desperate Housewives rewatch podcast where we take you back in time episode by episode of ABC's Desperate Housewives. If you love what we're doing and would like to support us further than just as a listener, which we absolutely thank you for, you can really help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star review and subscribing to this podcast. That really helps people to find us because analytics equals search results. We'll also read it on the air, so if you love to hear stuff you've written on the air, here's your chance. Also, you can become a patron by contributing at any monetary level by going to anchor.fm slash noisyfulfillment. You can also buy us a virtual coffee by tipping us in our virtual tip jar at ko-fi.com slash noisyfulfillment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash noisyfulfillment where you can comment on stuff, react to stuff, and also message us. You can also email us at noisyfulfillment at gmail.com. Today I have two very special guests joining us uh, for episode eight, which is Guilty, written by Kevin Murphy, Desperate Housewives uh, alum, and Hellcats, and directed by Fred Gerber of Make It or Break It, Law and Order, China Beach, and The X Files. This episode first aired on November 28, 2004. And to get us started a little bit, I would like to invite, I would like to uh, welcome both of our uh, guest co-hosts, who are both named Cassie. Cassie with a C and Cassie with a K is how we will be differentiating them for us. So, ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. Awesome. Well, the first thing we always like to talk about is what is your Desperate Housewives uh, uh, origin story? How did you watch it? When did you watch it? How many rewatches? And how are you affiliated with the, the, the show now? So Cassie with a C, if you wouldn't mind starting us off, what is your Desperate Housewives origin story? Believe it or not, my ex-husband, well, he was my husband then, but my then husband started me watching it. Really? Yeah. I don't. And then I ended up getting more into it than he was. I'm, that is hysterical. Yeah, I just happened to walk past the TV and I said, babe, what are you watching? And I don't know what episode I know it was in the first season. It might. Okay. I don't believe it was the first episode, but he might have caught it like mid first season or something. And he said, uh, it's Desperate Housewives. So. I wasn't a desperate housewife, but I was a housewife <laughs> back then. <laughs> and Cassie with a C, um, was that when it was in live, like 2004-ish area? Or was he re-watching it? Like, was he watching it when it was, like, airing in 2004? Or was it a rewatch? like, he was watching it on Netflix or Hulu or something? Which, Cassie, you talking to me? I'm sorry, Cassie with a C. Yeah. Oh, so was okay. he watching? Oh no, <laughs> no, he... no. Okay. He caught it. He caught it when it was when it first came on the air. But awesome. I don't. But I don't believe he caught it. The pilot episode. He might have caught it like midway in the first season. And I just happened to walk past the TV, and it's babe. What are you watching? And the next couple of Sundays, I found myself getting like really, really interested. You know. And, awesome. And and that's something we've talked about is yeah. that it was kind of this magical time when it was kind of before TiVo and DVR. Yeah. It was it was it was way before streaming was a thing. Yes. And so when you just found when somebody said, oh, you have to watch Desperate Housewives, they're already on episode 14 and you just have to hope you can catch up. You, and Maybe there'll be a mini marathon. or You something. cannot imagine the anxiety of yeah. waiting next Sunday and hope that you catch it on time at nine o'clock when it came on. Oh, we're also spoiled today. Shame on you. If you missed yeah. an episode, <laughs> yeah. shame on you. Cause like you said, 
streaming services were not out back then. You have to do, do the yeah. best you can. Yeah, so you yeah. you started watching it when it was when it first when the first season was on in two thousand four, and then you all continued watching it. We, how we, did that go? We watched it all the way until the last episode. Oh, how loyal! Yes, yes, that is awesome. Thank you, Cassie with a C, Cassie with a K. What is your Desperate Housewives origin story? How'd you get here? So I was actually in elementary school when the show came out. So I was oh now I want to oh gosh. I was probably like in third grade and I remember the show came on and it was a Sunday night and my parents are in the living room because everybody, you know, was in the living room and I'm sitting here watching this show and my mom's like, what are you watching? Because, you know, the show's more for adults. Sure. So I'm sitting here trying to watch this show every Sunday and my mom's just like, you know, this, this might not be the show for, for you yet. You're still, you're still young, but. I just I just love the show from from that young. So 2004, your parents were watching it as it was first airing and you're in third grade and it had some appeal to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely did. Wow. And I mean, that just speaks to a level of marketing and and network television that, you know, is something because I got to tell you, I'm not terribly interested in watching Squid Games with my husband. Uh, marketed for my exact demographic and for something to to catch you that is completely outside of multiple demographics, right? Um, that's that's super cool. So I gotta ask Cassie with a K, did you watch it with your parents? Um, some of the episodes, my parents um didn't really stick through it. Okay, um, but I definitely stuck through it, and then I've rewatched it a thousand times since. Uh, my brothers are always like, "You're rewatching that show again." So. <laughs> Everyone knows that, you know, I'm watching that show again. I started over as soon as it ends most of the time. Um, but it's just addicting to keep watching it over and over. You always notice something new um, as you keep watching it. Absolutely. And watching it with a different partner, right? Uh, I watched it with my husband. I watched it with my sisters. Um, I watched it with, you know, high school friends when, when I was in high school and it was on originally. So I think the the different audience you watch it with, and now certainly watching it with with experts like you all, um, I'm finding different things. And, and uh, the, this is a great time to kind of segue into um, how you all got here to the podcast today is because I, I uh, love... Um, your work as admins on the Desperate Housewives Ultimate Real, uh, Real Fans um, uh, Facebook group on Facebook. So how did that come about, Cassie, with a C? You know what? Um, funny thing. I went on Facebook searching for Desperate Housewives groups. You know? See, awesome. how, see how loyal I am? So, <laughs> so I, found, I found that group and it seemed to be more of what I was looking for, you know, it's very active. It has, sure. and because I don't really, me personally, I don't really care about numbers, but I do care about activity. You know, sure, it's, it's mm-hmm. active. The group is active. Um, the admins are nice. You know, I mean, there's always something going on. So I was, I would begin to post. I didn't post often initially, but I would post like intriguing content. And sure. get this, on my birthday of all days. No! On my birthday, they asked me to become an administrator of the group. Do you think they were waiting? Was that intentional? They didn't know it was my birthday. They didn't know. (laughs) I just happened to be in there posting on my birthday. And the the particular post, oh my God, that post drew numbers. And (laughs) 
I am so, that like just warms my heart. I love that. I'm going to tell you what the post was. Okay. You, you, you may or may not have seen it. Okay. That, that post, the first post was, um, what's your, something about what's your favorite, which housewife has your favorite house exterior. Okay. And I posted pictures of their houses. And then mm-hmm. I followed that post up with this one. Which housewife has your favorite house based on interior? You know, so, <laughs> and later on that evening, Ethan, the main administrator, he okay. inboxed me and asked me, would I like to join the group initially as a moderator? I started out as a moderator. I became okay. an administrator, but I started as a moderator. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is just, that's, uh, that's awesome. My that's birthday amazing. of all days. I get your birthday. Yep. What a great gift. I mean, who, who's going to be able to top that for a yeah. birthday present? So if you're looking for a present for uh, Cassie with a C, you're just not going to get better. I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cassie with a K, how did you get here? Um, I would, I, I had actually joined on my old Facebook and I was um, a moderator then. And then when I joined on my um, new account, that's when Ethan reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be admin. So it was it was pretty quick after I joined. I was pretty active in the group um, for the most part, so I think that's how he noticed me. Um, but yeah, he's he's a creator of the group. He's an awesome awesome person. Yes, he is. Well, awesome. Well, you'll have to tell him uh, that you had a great experience here on Noisy Fulfillment, and see if we can't get him on because one of our one of uh, our goals, both Amanda and mine, has been. Uh, to get our husbands on, get male perspectives in, and in particular, the the episode I'm shooting for here is the one that's narrated by Rex. So we got a little bit further down to go, yes. but particularly that different frame um, would be is going to be really interesting to me. So we kind of move in now to a summary. So Bree and Rex cover up Andrew's accident. Susan grows suspicious of Mike's real reason for moving to Risteria Lane. And Gabrielle questions a priest who John confessed their adulterous affair to. And again, we always put affair in just the biggest of all air quotes. I, it's a very, very problematic Um situation so calling an affair still is so super cringe so if you have a pitch for what we should call that um besides obvious child molestation uh and rape entanglement as well entanglement Entanglement. (laughs) i still think we're being entirely too generous to her i know Um, i know Uh, we also like to do an episode title check-in. So uh, Barbara Streisand's song, Guilty. If you go through Guilty, you'll find a thousand other songs. But apparently, according to show notes, um, inspired by the Barbara Streisand song. Um, and fun fact, this was the highest watched episode of the season up to this time. And it will only be bested by the season finale. Yeah. And making it kind of kind of perfect because when we looked at when we looked into it a little bit more, said that the episode was watched by 27.24 million viewers. This is a large viewing figure compared to other episodes, and they they thought it was mainly because ABC was promoting the show as being the first episode in which a main character living on Mysterio Lane is murdered. And obviously, we get to that later. Uh, somebody who you almost you're you're problematic to say gosh i did somebody have it coming but man martha hooper she made for an excellent corpse didn't she though (laughs) (laughs) and it's terrible to say that but man if you if you ever thought somebody had it coming holy cow yeah yeah her and her Um, sister 
we're just oh just god the same oh. same kind of personality and and everything and Frasier fans cannot wait until we until we unleash uh, Felicia Tillman on the, on these folks. So, oh, I can't, I cannot wait. Um, Amanda and I go through this because she did watch it, but she's forgotten a lot of things. So as we go as we go through, um, she'll be like, "Is it? Is it? Uh, is Frasier's? Is uh, the girl from Frasier on it yet?" Um, and it makes me it makes me laugh. Um, so we get into some first words. Um, there is a widely read book that tells us everyone is a sinner. Of course, not everyone who reads this book feels guilt over the bad things they do, but Brie Vandekamp did. And then we go into what I call a spinny flashback. Um, anybody have any favorites of Brie's spinny flashback of things that made her feel guilty? Hmm. So it talks about that as a child, she felt guilty for not bringing home straight A's. As a teenager, she felt guilty about letting her boyfriend go to second base. And as a newlywed, she felt uh, guilty about taking three weeks to get out her thank you cards. Um, But she's like, but after this, this tops the cake. You know, if I felt guilty about those things, they pale in comparison. Any of those things make you feel guilt? I would say no. I feel feel like Brie was very, you know, like she... She had to do things a certain way, but, um, you know, compared to, to hiding what Andrew did, that that's very insignificant, I would say. Cassie, was yeah. anything? I I agree with Cassie with a K. I, <laughs> you know what, though? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be honest. Um, sure. I don't think she should have covered up what Andrew did. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't think she should have covered it up. I mean... Mm. See, I think that, I mean, see, he was already being rebellious as it is, or what us country folks say, he was smelling himself, you know? Oh, gosh. Yes. That's good. Yes. I like that. He, he, yes. He, 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 okay, so he's already smelling himself, you know? Oh, I love that. He already, th- he already thought, you know, that he, he, um, what's the word I'm trying to, you know, he thought he was, he thought he, he was above, um, the law, more or less. So, oh, for sure. I th- I think that the best penalty for to me, if I was his parent, I would have shown him otherwise. I would have called the police on him. I, I know he's her mm. son, and and you are kind of biased when it's your child, but you still have to learn right from wrong. And at the end of the day, your drunk driving killed this lady. You know, mm. you had no business being behind the wheel. You know, and you were drinking. You know, and you already thought that you were above the law and you're being disrespectful in my house. You know what I mean? It's like, I have to show you. You know what I mean? So there, there is so much there. So yeah. much, so many layers of complexity with, yeah. with the relationship between Bree and Rex and Andrew yeah. and his different responses to parents based on gender, based on, um, it seems just like a disdain. Um, you know, and, but, and you I, know, I think I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, absolutely. Oh, but, but correct. But, I, in terms of do I let my you know as a mother myself, man, I'm glad my kid's only seven um, because I know we got a long road to hoe. But I, yeah. I wonder what my mother would have done. Yeah, and but given Bree's character, we know why she mm. covered it up because she was she it was, she was putting on this perfect facade of a housewife. You know. My family, we're basically Ken and Barbie. We can't do anything wrong. So, so to, so to the to the public, we look like we, we look perfect. We're, 
we're plastic. We're Ken and Barbie, you know. So, mm. <laughs> so I mean, what what will the neighbors think of me if they knew that my son is a drunk driver and now a murderer? I mean, well, yeah, his drunk driving killed someone, you know. And then even her reaction when um, when uh, when Lynette says that the person that that ran over Carlos' mother should be put away for life, and she's like, "Isn't that a little harsh?" And, no, it's not. And it's and it's no, definitely it. not harsh. And also consider, I'm, I'm trying to also consider the fact that Andrew didn't technically kill her. She did die, you mm. know, at the at the hospital because she she fell yeah. down down the stairs and stuff, but. You know, in everybody's eyes, she she died because of this car accident. Um, so I'm trying to keep that in mind. But at the same time, I'm like the fact that he didn't feel any guilt or any remorse yeah, yeah, um, yeah. even after going to speak to Carlos and him saying yeah. um, him saying, oh, I'm in the clear that that there was when Bree should have really took a step back and said, you know, Maybe I'm making the wrong choice. Maybe I should call the police because he he's clearly not seeing um, the extent of what he has caused. Absolutely, and so we have the guilt. We have uh, the the guilt of Bree versus the absence of guilt from um, from Andrew. Uh, but other people have some guilt going on in this episode too. Um, so if we if we start if we start up uh, at the hospital. Gabby says that Carlos needs to take care of himself. Uh, John stops by with three pink roses, gives um, Carlos a hug, and Carlos says that he needs to go to the chapel to pray. Gabby says she'll stay in the hospital room, but John has no intention of being alone with Gabby in the hospital room. Yeah. I so hated then, that so much. I was like, why? The, the, audacity, the audacity of John going there and hugging him, knowing that you know, a part of the reason why she got run over was because him and Gabby were having the affair and she was trying to let Carlos know about it. And he just went in there like he was being supportive, like he had nothing to do with it. And I was just like the the audacity to do that was just insane to me. Yes, the unmitigated gall. It's like, okay, you you know within yourself that you are trimming more than the bushes outside, okay? Oh, God. If I can yes. if I can say that, you're tr- you're trimming more than the hedges. And you have the unmitigated gall to go in this woman's hospital room and you play a part mm. in the reason she's in that bed. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Oh. So, I even feel over- like Gabby didn't have enough guilt um going along those lines. Um it, it seemed like she didn't blame herself at all or didn't even think she had any part in um, her getting hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Girls filing her nails in the <laughs> hospital room. I mean, it, we couldn't be any more callous about yeah. the situation. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, over at... With that, uh, over at, one of the things is the quick changes here, right? Is like you get if you count it out, you you barely get forty five seconds sometimes in a scene. It just it, they jam it pack. Because um, over at Martha's house, Edie is taking back the forty dollars she stole from her purse, not feeling any guilt about that. Uh, Mrs. Huber says, uh, it, you know, maybe it wasn't Mrs. Huber that did it. Maybe it's one of her gentleman callers. Um, and all those peach yogurts have gone missing. Do you feel guilty about that, Edie? 
um, leading Martha to kick Edie out. What are we thinking here about this scene? Hmm. I do feel guilty if I eat somebody's peach yogurt, but I, usually I ask first before I do it. <laughs> you know what? Something tells me, and and I am not exonerating Edie for stealing mm-hmm. her food, but <laughs> yes. something tells me that Martha would have stolen her $40 regardless of whether she <laughs> ate her food or not. Come on, y'all know Martha, because she was already having money problems as it is. You know what I mean? For sure. She was already sure. she was already having money problems as it, as it is, and a couple episodes prior, she was already bri- she bribed Susan in the grocery store to pay for her groceries. A couple episodes uh, prior, you know. Yeah, so, and bribe. I mean, bribe is generous. She yeah. blackmail. Uh, yeah, 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 blackmail, blackmail. That's what I was oh. trying to think. Blackmail, blackmail. For sure. Bribe is too nice. So and even go ahead. And even when Mary Alice died. Um, she saw it as, mm. oh, well, now I get to keep the blender. So she was just oh. always trying yeah. to to take something from somebody else, you know, always thinking about herself. Yeah. Absolutely. And, like, I mean, def- definition of no guilt, right, is, like, this is owed to me for sure. Um, what, uh, what Cassie with a C said, she was going to take that $40 one way or the other. There was not <laughs> Whatever, whatever um, she tells herself, whatever rationalization she tells herself, she had every right to have it. And so Martha kicks Edie out and says, I'm going to go visit my sister. I expect you to be gone before, uh, before I get, before back. I get yeah. back. And then it's very clear, right? Martha did have the $40 because she takes it out of her bra and puts it in her purse. Yes, she was. Yes, she was using the $40 as padding for her bra. Oh my yes, she, oh. Yeah, she cl- clearly. I mean, she was going to take it regardless. Yeah, when I think about how dirty money is, and like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, meanwhile, Lynette's having some issues. She's visiting visiting the acupuncturist, um, and the guided meditation isn't working for her because her four kids are with her. You know, I just don't do that. Um, when I go to, I, I have also benefited from a level of making my doctor's appointments when my kid was at work or, or was at school, and I would just take off work and things like that. But man, can you imagine trying to get through this guided meditation with your acupuncturist and the four kids? Are oh my goodness, what are we doing here? Yeah, acupuncture is for re- relaxation. Take your mind off stuff. You know that. Re- I mean, not to go off topic. This this reminds me of the of an episode on the Cosby Show where oh, yes. where 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 Cliff tells Claire that we're going. I'm gonna take you two out to a nice hotel and dinner, and she says, "Without the kids, well, honey, <laughs> if we take the kids, why are we going?" Yes. You know? <laughs> oh, so so yes, so yes. Why 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 are your kids there? Didn't they have school that day? You all the women all, of, all the women yeah, on that block. Summer. All the women on that block. You couldn't find one sitter. Oh no, that they've heard about her, those. Scavo oh oh, oh kids. yeah, I, I, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Scabo, Scabo kids. Okay, <laughs> light bulb. Okay, yeah yeah yeah. Okay, oh, I mean, couldn't Cassie. you have skill? I'm, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, Cassie with a K, you taking your kids with you to the acupuncturist? <laughs> I don't have kids, so seeing watching Lynette and the Scabo boys, that, that just makes me not want to have them at all. <laughs> so I think that was a good show for me to watch growing up because it really scared me out of out of having kids. 
That's an excellent point because we could un- we could we could have read this the the other way as this text is glorifying et cetera et cetera making it all look so good. No, it might be birth control. <laughs> well, exactly. unfortunately for me, unfortunately for me, the show came out before I had. Oh, you, you know what? The show came out in, in two thousand four. I had my daughter in, in two thousand five. So okay. Oh, yeah. it didn't scare you off then, Captain No, it didn't. It, it didn't. Um, unfortunately, it didn't scare me because I got two of them. I had to have two. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I do. Rec- I do. Um, appreciate Lynette's candor eventually with the acupuncturist. She she just fesses up, right? She says, I took my kid's ADD medication and I need to be able to sleep again. So what do you got for me? I need something that's going to help me to sleep. And the doctor says she can't write a prescription. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm aware. And she says, this is an herbal remedy. Use it judiciously. Now, with that being said, someone who has already kind of cop to not being terribly judicious in the use of other people's pharmaceuticals has just been told to be judicious with this herbal remedy. Thoughts there? Doctor make a bad call? I don't know. Yeah. I was surprised that she did that, that she even gave her anything, because I'm like, you're seeing that she's clearly not in her right mind already. She's not using these, you know, this medication, how she should be using it. Um, so I don't, I don't think that she should have gave her anything at all. I think that maybe she should have reported that to someone or, mm. or maybe there was another protocol to follow there. But then I also try to think of, you know, Lynette's side and trying to really feel for her as far as, you know, why she did it in the first place and being that person that she's coming to for help and being like, you know, I can help you. I'm really not giving you anything that would, you know, damage you or do anything bad to you so maybe that's why she gave them to her I don't know it's just I just go back and forth on that I'm like I just I just don't know what I would have done in Lynette's place she I think she shouldn't have given it to her well both both priorities were wrong to me because first of all mm-hmm. let's let's look at the reason that Lynette was even taking the medicine to begin with right. there was no reason for her to take that medicine she took the medicine so she could do her work fast because the prostitute, what was her name? Maisie? <laughs> the prostitute. Oh, uh, uh, spoiler alert, friends. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, you're okay. Yeah. Uh, Maisie Gibbons. That was her name. Yeah. Maisie Gibbons. The pro- Nightmare Maisie. Yeah. The prostitute, Maisie Gibbons, <laughs> the prostitute slash school coordinator had right. Lynette, comp- she was trying to make her do work that she was not capable of doing, you know. So in order to keep up, Lynette gets the bright idea to copy mm-hmm. what that other girl was doing by taking the kids' medicine. And then she goes, she goes to doc, to, to Dr. Giggles here and <laughs> Dr. Giggles, I love that. And get medicine. And then Dr. Giggles here, who is not even supposed to be subscribing it, turned the first I mean, you may as well stood on a corner and sold it to her. Hey, hey baby, I got ten. Come get this. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> So to me, both parties were wrong. Well, yeah. and I really like, I really like what Cassie with a K, you were talking about, was there another, you know, was, was there a door, was there a door number three? Um, could we have said, so I would love to help you with problem X. It doesn't feel like what you need right now is pharmaceuticals yeah. and herbal remedy, notwithstanding, but maybe let's talk about talking to a social worker or talking to, you know, let, let's figure out the root cause of this. Can we talk about, can we talk about taking this judiciously and also 
speaking with a therapist and, and depending on what kind of practice that is, um, the referral. I think Cassie with a K kind of talked about that referral. Um, Cassie with a C, I bet she would have found it on the street if she didn't get it from, <laughs> if she didn't get it from Dr. Giggles. This is Lynette, this is Lynette honey. She would have found it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, I think so she needed, she needed my... help. She needed a babysitter. She needed mm. to really discipline her kids because it didn't seem like there was any type of discipline going on in that household as far as her her boys, especially the twins. She needed help. With we need help that's not going to come in a jar. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Moving over to Mike's house, um, Susan drops by and Mike asks her to a wine tasting. Um, this is very popular where I'm from in in, uh, in the not exactly the suburbs of Chicago, but we have quite a few wineries. Um, Cassie with a C, Cassie with a K. Are you winery people? No. Not so much Cassie with a K? No, um, it, th- we have quite a few. If you're in and uh, Cassie with a C, when you come out this way uh, to Illinois, we have quite a few. For, believe it or not, for I mean, in the Midwest, I'm this. not. I'm not above it. I just have never been to one. Gotcha. Yeah, well, and what you might. I mean, you can do the, the, the when they're talking about it. He says, asks her to a wine tasting, then maybe dinner and dancing, but it's a two-hour drive, so they might have to stay at a hotel. Um, I have been at my fair share of wine tastings that you, yeah, you're sampling just this much, like a thimble's worth of eight wines. But once you add it all up, you've had four glasses of wine. Yeah. And and if you've done multiple tastings, yeah, that that hotel and or an Uber is going to be a need and not necessarily just a want. Um, so it looks like Susan might be going on her first overnight date in quite a while. Yeah. Um, she also, uh, when Mike goes upstairs, um, Susan is looking for a dog biscuit, but instead she finds the cash and lots of it. Um, I mean, the Mike, Mike is meanwhile trying to talk to the tile guy and uh, Susan volunteers to sit there and wait for the tile guy because now that she's found a bunch of cash where the dog biscuits are supposed to be, she has some more questions, but she didn't necessarily say no to an overnight with this person. I think she she needed to mind her business about the that cash. It wasn't she just mm. met this guy, you know, they're hitting it off. She likes him. Um I think that she could have just waited until the relationship was a little bit more serious or she could have even asked him then, you know, "Hey, I'm I was looking for the dog biscuits. I came across this cash. I'm not trying to be in your business or anything, but do you mind me asking why you have all this cash lying around?" Um, and then see what Mike would have said, or like I said, she could have just waited until the relationship was, you know, um, developed a bit more to where they were at a point where she could just ask that. But I think that how she handled that situation, just Mike had a, he was all in his right to be upset about it. Cassie with a C? Yeah, Yeah, I agree. She should have just minded her own business, you know, or... If you feel that suspicious, just dismiss yourself from the situation until you're sure of what is or what's not going on. But either, but either way, she should have minded her, her, her business. 
I agree. I agree. And I guess the, the other part for me, the other part for me there, and they'll talk about it a little bit with Julie later on. Um, she'll say, but you're still going to go on the date. She's like, I don't get out of the house enough. It might speak to the desperation that, um, that, us, that, that, uh, single women, um, might feel, uh, after they, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't have a lot of friends, so I'm willing to tolerate this person's behavior because I just really want to go get a drink. So I don't want to discount that I felt that way before too. Um, in a safety, in a safety way, obviously had my own car and everything and nobody was going to be, I wasn't going to be sleeping around this person. So that, that one freaked me out a little bit, but, um, in order to get rid of the car that has hit Juanita Solis, um, Bree and Rex, their plan is to drive the car into a bad part of town and they just get into Rex's car and wait for somebody to steal Andrew's brand new convertible. His brand not new a bad plan. His brand new convertible that Rex should not have bought for him to begin with. Mm. Yeah, because okay. Um, again, going back to what I what I said originally, I don't think they should have done that. I mean, the plan worked, but because what they said, what happened, it did happen. But I still don't think that they should have went that route. You know, if there wasn't a car to hit Juanita with, yeah. Then, then we wouldn't be here. Mm. If Rex did not buy the car for him to begin with, trying to pin the kids against Bree because he's mad about the divorce that's about to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel and like the, the plan definitely works for them, but it, it was just setting a bad example for Danielle, for Andrew. Um, it really even tested the relationship even more of Rex and Brie. Rex kind of did it, you know, out of despite. Let, let me, let me buy him this car. Let me buy Danielle. I, I can't remember. Was it she wanted modeling stuff and she was trying to go to New York? That's what he bought her. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, remember, um, um, Gabby, Gabrielle. Yeah, she yeah. was jealous uh, of her. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he paid for her to go to modeling school or something. Yeah. That's the that's the deal, right? Is that he's going to win this breakup? The, the, yeah. the battle is on for who's going to win the divorce. Yeah, they just they just both were making bad choices overall, and it and it was just crazy to me because they still wanted to be together. They yeah. were just stubborn and didn't want to talk it out and didn't want to set that good example for their kids, and they just wanted to to fight it out. And yeah. Um, Cassie, see, you brought up the he shouldn't have never he should never have bought him that car. This wasn't a responsible child to begin with. Yeah, and now we you gotta reward him. You're gonna reward him by buying him a car. Oh yeah. gosh! Oh gosh! Yeah, and and you know it. Oh, lots of problematic decisions that we make when we're in transition or we're in grief or you know he. I think we've all had that friend that was, um, you know, had the, you know, this is kind of overgeneralizing, but has a breakup and goes and cuts their hair. And you're like, Ooh, let's wait on that. Why don't we not make any large decisions? Um, maybe, maybe don't, don't rage, quit your job. Maybe don't rage, cut your hair. Like why don't you sleep on that for 24 hours? I've definitely done that before where, um, I went to go get a haircut and the lady messed my hair up completely. So after that, I'm like, oh, no. I'm, 
now maybe I should, you know, do a little more research and wait a while before I go get my hair cut <laughs> by anybody. So I, I had to learn that the hard way, but definitely they were both making those choices where it was just like, I need a change. Brie went and dated George because she was upset too. She didn't oh, like gosh. him. She just went out to date him because she wanted to get back at Rex because he hurt her because he, you know, he cheated on her and she was in pain, which is totally understandable why she would react that way. But then she was also hurting George, which anybody hearing this is going to hate me for saying it. But, you know, he was in pain also. George was in pain and Mm -hmm. he was, you know, not in his right mind. (laughs) But she, she hurt this man that wasn't in his right mind and then the consequences at the end were just horrible. No, you're right. Uh, clearly, um, clearly George was a few fingers short of a high five. So he was not, <laughs> I mean, she should have picked, she should have chose another guy. If she was going to pick a, pick a guy to get back at Rex, George was the wrong guy. Clearly. Oh man. Yeah. I can't wait until I can't wait until we get into that story arc because that does have fascinating and one of one of my favorite um guest characters or recurring characters uh starts to come into the picture there. Um and that rivalry. That that'll be a good one too. Um meanwhile over at Paul's house, he's watching a video of Mary Alice's birthday, uh, along with Mr. Shaw, who he you know, he Mr. Shaw says that he made contact with Edie at a bar and uh he says he he posed as a real estate developer and Paul says he wants him to ask Edie why she did this why why she why she must have been the person um to kill uh, to um inspire Mary Alice to kill herself that he that she was blackmailing her and Mr. Shaw says that once Paul gives him the money it's a done deal apparently there's no um there's no room for regret there's no room for guilt um and that getting getting um you know that that whole asking why something happened he's like no, nothing good comes of that you want her dead that's my job but if you want you know you want closure in a different way i'm not the right person for this job but it doesn't seem that paul is backing down he's going to give him money What dangerous is that? I mean, what? First of all, I just had to say the amount of the the low amount of money that it takes to kill someone. I'm like, if I up that price, could you not kill me? <laughs> Can I pay extra? <laughs> like, if, if he had gone, to, you know, I, I mean, I feel like there could be a cottage industry here. Of hey, I was I was sent to murder you, but for an extra ten thousand dollars, maybe I we won't do look it. The other yeah, way. yeah. You know, you know what. I, I always think every time I watch that episode, what if <laughs> Edie, I mean, Edie almost lost her life mm-hmm. over a piece of paper, mm-hmm. a piece of paper. What, what if he didn't ask her where she got the paper from? Cause that was, no Mar- that was Martha's um, paper, Martha's stationery. And that's, that's really kind of what he's saying to Paul yeah. is, you know what? We're not going to talk. She's going to show up. I'm going to kill her. But you're right, Cassie with a Z. If you don't talk to her, then we don't find out that it wasn't her. Yeah, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad they had the little short dialogue they did because if he hadn't, he would have killed an innocent woman. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She almost absolutely. lost her life about a piece of paper. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, back <laughs> back in the car, Rex and Bree are talking about waiting for the car to get stolen. Rex and Brie are talking about how the kids grew up so fast. And Brie says that, you know, she feels like they could have been better parents. Rex says, oh, we weren't that bad. 
Um, but they both seem to be in consensus that Andrew doesn't seem to get that what he did was wrong. Um, Cassie with a K, thoughts on that? Rex, I mean, again, Rex seems to be the more permissive parent, but they both decided that Andrew seems to, you know, needs to learn that this was wrong to hit somebody with a car. Thoughts there? And it still seemed to me like Rex was still like on the edge about that like he was like well he did something wrong but we shouldn't take away um swimming from him because he loves it mm. um and Bree's like well to teach him that this was bad you got to get him where it hurts um and Rex just continued to to kind of defend it but then um I feel that sending him away was the right choice he was going through a lot of stuff. He was completely out of control and they needed to, to do something. And I felt that they should have done something even before the whole car accident happened. But I mean, he that didn't even set him straight for, for a while. So he was just, even Danielle should have gotten some type of um, punishment, I felt, because she was not even understanding the um, the situation or how bad it was. She She was definitely out of control, too. Thoughts there, Cassie with a C? I agree totally. Yeah, there's there's yeah. so I mean, there's so little ambiguity in hitting someone with a car is wrong, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It just doesn't seem like even the teenage mind with underdeveloped frontal lobes would not get how that's not, not okay. And I think he high fived Danielle when he said, Well, looks like I'm in the clear and him and Danielle. Looks like I'm off the hook. Something. And I was just like, Danielle's not even like Hey, like that's not that's not something that you should be happy about. It's you know you should still feel bad about it. It was it was an accident, but you you should still feel bad about it. And nobody was understanding how bad it was. I think at that point, at that high five scenario, because Bree was looking at them, looking back at them. I think mm-hmm. that's when she started realizing, okay, he really doesn't understand what he did or doesn't care one. More like don't care, you know. I think that's when she started trying to kind of crack the whip on him a bit. Yeah, and honestly, that that actually segues really nicely into um, at Gabby's Rex, Bree, Danielle, and Aunt, well, first of all, the car did get taken, so Rex and Bree uh, happy to see that the car has been taken. And the next day at Gabby's, Rex, Bree, Danielle, and Andrew are visiting, and Carlos talks about how lucky they are to have children. Um, and I'm like, man, if ever you were looking at two people's kids saying you're so lucky to have children, I mean, I guess, but. Ooh. I don't think those are the two that you should be <laughs> referring to. Those are the Stavel twins. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Even better. Yeah, no kidding. And it's like, let me look around here. Like, there's what it looks like the one parent who doesn't have it all together, who has the child who maybe inspires you to maybe want to have kids is Julie. And as the parent of an only child, I'm like, well, I, you know, there's too many parents in this house, I guess, uh, for my kid to, to grow up and be be a good kid. Uh, but Ju- I feel like Julie's the only one you look at. You look at the Scav, yeah, right. You look at the Scavo kids, you're like, mm, probably not. Then if you knew, I guess, what's happening beyond the scenes with uh, Danielle and, and Andrew, that would be a mm, probably not. Um, but it kind of leads to this cringeworthy uh, discussion where Carlos, this is the time that Carlos has decided to announce, yeah, we're going to start a family soon. Yeah, I don't like think. 
We're not negotiating my uterus. (laughs) I love that line, Cassie with a K. Oh, I love that line. We are not renegotiating my uterus. (laughs) Yeah, he definitely picked the wrong time to have that conversation. You're already grieving about your mother, rightfully so. And then on top of that, we have company. You pick pick now to bring up a, a, a discussion that you have yet to even comfortably have with your wife about, you know, Maybe we should think about having children. I mean, just out the blue. You know, my mom used to say that there were some words that you don't say in mixed company. Uterus was one of them. I don't know how I feel about that because I like to take away the stigma around our body parts. But um, maybe not with underage people in the room. Or I I don't even, you know, just, yeah, time and place, Carlos, time and place. Um, I understand yeah. he's going through a trauma, but it seems like a, it, it seems like a tactic for you can't say no to me. My mom's in the hospital. You can't say no to me. I've just been through a trauma. Yeah. In a manipulative way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but at Lynette's house, she um, is drinking the sleepy tea and trying to sleep on the couch. But, you know, apparently her calendar is not up to date because the scout meeting is today and it's going to be up to Lynette to help them learn how to tie a a knot. And it's not going well, so she's going to dip into the Adderall, Ritalin, whatever the ADD medication is that was prescribed. And it just, you know, just a recurring cycle, isn't it? She shouldn't have answered her door. Oh my gosh, why wasn't the door? Oh, I agree. Yeah, she shouldn't have answered her go door. Go to hell, go to hell, go to hell. Go, go, go to hell, go to hell. She was not home. Yes. It could have been avoided. 666, oh. six, six, baby, go to hell. Oh my, gosh. Yeah. Oh. oh my gosh. And I just think about, you know, again, I think we've all been in that situation where it's like, why did I sign up for this? Because you're a good yes. parent. I, a good parent has to learn how to take care of themselves. I am no good to you if I don't put my oxygen mask on first. Yes. Mm. Oh, so, you know, the desperation over at Lynette's and so well acted by Felicity Huffman. Just it truly, yes. but again, it, how I, I, I don't know why, but that, that go to hell, go to hell, go to hell and pulling the covers over me. It just does me in every single time. She doesn't have to do anything else. I would give her all the awards. Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, Back at Mike's, Susan finds the money and the gun, um, and she starts counting the money. Now, here's this is what I gotta know. I don't need to know how much money that is. I like maybe I think I can judge how much money it is if it's a bunch of ones or something. I I just don't need to know how much money it is. But she legit takes it and she's gonna count it out. First of all, are you just gonna leave it there until he gets home? Because you're not going to get it back in the same perfect way. So I don't know why she needed to know how much it was. Yeah. I don't need to know how much it is. My only concern is why is it here? Mm-hmm. No, no matter how much it is. I would have been why is it here? Of, of Cassie, okay, okay, you got to know how much it is, huh? Okay. <laughs> Should I count it? I don't know. I would have been a little bit curious. I don't know if I, in all honesty, if I would have counted it or not. I don't think I would have done it in the way she did. Cause yeah, she didn't need to go upstairs to do that. She could have just literally taken it out of the um where where they had it and counted it right there and put it back in. She didn't have to take it to the living room or go upstairs with it. Ooh, yeah, I yeah, the, yeah. The rest of that was very unnecessary. I feel like Susan didn't really think things through sometimes. 
Yeah. Shocking, right? Because in true Susan fashion, you're absolutely right. Um, she starts counting the money. Then she hears the tile guy who forgot to give her a receipt. So she brings it all upstairs into the bathroom. He, The tile guy finally leaves. And she jumps down from the window and gets stuck in the floor. Um, and then Bongo the dog, who she almost killed with her earring, um, finds her. And he's not any help. I still think he's trying to get back at her for that earring incident because he, you know, he runs off and she's excited he's going to bring help, but he just brings her a dead bird. <laughs> my my favorite line from that scene, Lassie would have had the ambulance truck here by now. <laughs> yes! What are you, an inferior breed of dog? Yeah, What's yeah, wrong yeah. with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, Checking back in with Gabby and John, Gabby goes to have a talk with John while he rakes leaves for another neighbor, and it's just this clandestine thing, right, where she goes up to the door, and he's like, they're not home. She's like, that's fine. I'm not here to talk to them. I'm here to talk to you, but keep raking, and it just, it, you know, again, it leads me to this, this such a toxic relationship, so very one-sided, um, that he's, he's, John says that, you know, forget it. I'm sticking with Danielle. And Gabby, you know, trying to alleviate the guilt, right? That's the, the name of the game here, the title of the episode. It's not their fault. And John says, well, that's not what the priest says. And Gabby is irate that he has confessed to his to his priest. And it just does, I mean, so now, great, now I got to go track down this guy. Um, and so it'll be when, when it'll be interesting when we get, uh, when we get there, um, when Father Crowley joins Gabrielle, um, that he said, uh, we can skip over the, to that right now. Um, Gabrielle asks, so I've been, I've always wondered about this whole confessions are, uh, are a secret thing. Um, and he says, yes, everybody's secrets are safe and I'm willing to take yours. Um, I think the, the, the piece here for me is when he says, you know, Gabrielle, you know, if you die and you haven't, and you haven't confessed, there's not going to be absolution for you. You know, honestly, on top of that, don't you want to be a good person? And Gabrielle says, I just want to be happy. It's hard to have sympathy for her. It, it, in that situation, it is. Yeah. You know. Because, I mean, if you're that unhappy with Carlos, just leave the situation. Right. You know, I mean, you didn't want to John leave should not have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, and I think it, I think that's huge, Cassie with a K. I think the money is huge. She absolutely does not want her lifestyle to change. But it's so interesting when people make decisions that are so antithetical to their purpose, right? Is that you don't plan on leaving this marriage. Like, no immediate plans to leave this marriage. No immediate plans to, like, stop having that affair until presented with, you know, John kind of saying, I'm done. Um, but... Yeah, just really making decisions that it, it's unclear to me why you're staying in, why why this marriage is important to you outside of money. Yeah. And she claims and to love the him. very transactional. She claims to mm -hmm. love him throughout the show, even um even in that situation, even when um when John asks her, you know, then leave your husband and come with me and she's like, No, you know, he can take care of me and I love him and then he's like, Then why mm. are we doing this? And she's like, Because I don't want to wake up one day and want to blow my brains out or something. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, 
that just doesn't make sense. You can't love someone and hurt them this way. And then on top of that, I always wonder what would have happened if Carlos would have known the reason why his mother was there that day and, um, you know, that they were a part of the reason why she got um, killed. I always wonder what his reaction would have been if he would have stayed with her, um, if he would have ever forgave her for that. I just felt like that was something that always bothered me throughout why he never found out. Yeah. Right, because it won't even be, it'll be very long in the future before he even understands the connection of Andrew to that, to that situation. It is, it is a long, long way out. uh, I think it's season six or seven, one of them. Yeah. yeah, and and back at Bree's house, which is a great segue, um, back at Bree's house, Bree offers to have Andrew speak to a therapist. Andrew says, no, I feel fine. And Bree says, I need to know that you're not a monster. You like Andrew, you don't seem to have a soul. Um, but his concern is that he'll now have to ride his bike to school. Yeah. I would yeah. call the police right then. Mm. Yeah, and then he also, he says, like, she was an old woman. She had already lived her life. I'm young. I have my whole life ahead of me. He's, like, kind of going into this spill of, Mm -hmm. you know, her life didn't matter as much as mine did, kind of going along those lines. And it's just horrible how he thinks that his life matters more than someone else's. Um, and and, And I feel like he never really learned from that mistake. I know that towards the end he tries to change and um, he's having Mm. drinking problems and things like that as well. But I feel like he never truly learned that this was something terrible that happened. You shouldn't be drinking and driving. I feel like if he would have really learned from that, he wouldn't have ever touched a a drink again. You know, he wouldn't have wanted to do that if he would have really felt all that guilt. Yeah, like the the mistakes that we don't fix right now, we will. It's just like kick the can, right? We're only kicking the can down the road. Eventually, we will have yeah. to resolve that issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, from the from the low to somewhat more moderate, but we're gonna get low again. Back at Mike's house, he sees Susan is half through the floor, and at first, it's just so charming to him. I, I it's, and and that is the thing with Susan, right? It's almost like a Sour Patch Kid, um, it, it, where it's it's um, they're they're sweet then they're sour, um, or they're sour then they're sweet. He sees her like with her legs uh, through the through the floor, and first of all, he thinks to himself that he didn't do a very good job on that floor, or that floor hasn't gotten to yet, I suppose. And he comes to help her, and she lies unconvincingly, and he just laughs about it. He's like, I'm not sure that that's what happened. She's like, yeah, me neither, but can you get me out of this this floor? Um, and then he sees the money and tells her to get out. Yeah. And, you know, Cassie, what they see, you know, you see somebody stuck in your floor, and then you see that they have out your money and your gun. Um, not a, you know, not a bad response. Yeah, they would have to get out of my house, too. Right, you know, you've been snooping because, through my shit. <laughs> because, yeah, because no matter no matter what, I don't care what you found, the fact remains you're in my house rambling through my things. Right. Get out. Right. Don't let the doorknob hit you when my dog should have bit you. <laughs> oh, gosh, can you imagine what if he'd gone to the bottom and tried to pull her through the light? Oh, yeah. gosh. Bongo could have done a lot worse. Yeah. Um, 
we kind of already talked about this, but um, Mr. Shaw, next scene, Mr. Shaw's out in the field with a gun and a shovel waiting on Edie. Um, and Edie shows up to to see the property that Mr. Shaw has been commenting upon. Um, and Mr. Shaw says, oh, nice stationery. And Edie says that she stole it. So I'm going to admit to a crime, which is that I stole the stationery. Edie says she took it from Mrs. Huber. And Mr. Shaw draws that conclusion that maybe he ought not kill Edie. Mm-hmm. Man, how lucky are you? We, we've already yeah. commented on this, but yeah. the luck, Cassie with a Z, the luck that you just happened to mention that you stole that 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 stationery because, from somebody yeah, saved your life. If you remember the scene, mm. while he was talking to her leading up to the paper, he was secretly drawing his gun out of his back <laughs> pants while she was walking up, you know, yes. and and he put it back away when she mentioned the, the paper, you know. It was over for her. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And again, just saying the right thing at the right time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um. Yeah. Uh, back back at Lynette's house, um, Parker is playing the stereo. Porter and Preston are playing the pots and pans. That never ceases to amaze me. Cassie with a K, if you ever, uh, if you ever do choose to go the parenting route, your kids will like the things that are not toys better than the hundreds of dollars that are upstairs in their playroom. This I know. Um, and she starts screaming. Penny starts crying, and it's just, it's just awful. And then it's juxtaposed with this music and um, her vision. She sees Mary Alice through the window, and Mary Alice hands her a gun and gives it to her. Lynette pulls, uh, puts it to her head, and then we see Lynette wake up, but just so dark. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine the amount of stress that she had to be under for her to have that vision of Mary Alice. Um, I really think that she just really... Shouldn't have had so many kids back to back, but <laughs> something you know. This man keeps getting me pregnant. If only there were something that could stop it. It's something yeah. that, that that I guess you can't control sometimes, or you can't really predict or you know plan out. But mm. I don't know. After those twins, I, I feel I would have been <laughs> I would have been done after those twins. Um, it's just so hard. I, I, I really felt for her throughout the whole show, even when they get older. Mm-hmm. But I think Tom wasn't really helpful at the beginning either. He was he was always gone and it was just her with all those all those kids. So I really think she needed the help and she really needed the babysitter. I can't remember if at this point they had already hired her not just, or if they had just not her. just yet. Okay. But we'll get there. We will get there. But you know, what you said about that that desperation, um, we have it in our show notes here. Creator Mark Cherry said that he got the idea writing the pilot after a conversation with his own mother, um, where she told him that raising him and his siblings with their father away most of the time made her feel desperate. And I, I just wonder how much of his mother's desperation he was drawing on in this scene. It, it's not clear to me if his mother ever had this, you know, kind of suicidal ideation that it seems to be playing out definitely through Mary Alice and now even through Lynette. Um, but just, um, you know, terribly interesting because he give, he credited his mother multiple times throughout the show um, with some of the, the, the plots that we'll see or the, the story arcs that we'll see. Mm-hmm. 
Susan is going to try to uh, repair the damage both emotionally and maybe uh, financially for going through the, the going through the floor um, over at Mike's house. And she asks, you know, does this mean that the date is off? And Mike's like, yeah, it's kind of a deal breaker for me that you kind of snooped through my crap and went through my floor. Um, and Susan says, you know, that was an accident that she found the money to begin with, but she does have questions about it. Is he a drug dealer? And he's very offended. He breaks everything off. And, and Susan says, you know what, I really hope that your secrets keep you warm at night because he's throwing away something really great to protect it. There's a lot to unpack here. To be fair, he was hiding something. So yes, he was. I think she was, she was right to ask those questions. Um, I know she probably shouldn't have looked for, you know, looked through his stuff. And, but it was an accident at the end of the day. She wasn't lying about that. She really was just trying to get the dog treats. Um, where she messed up with being nosy about it and not asking him right away, like mm. she like she did at that moment after he had found her with it. Um, I I think that she she was in her right to ask that question at the end. Um, she is dating this man. She's trying to be serious with him. She was going to go away with mm-hmm. him, so she's just trying to see if he's safe or not. And she has a daughter that she has to, you know, also take care of. So I think she was just trying to be safe at that point, and she just. Didn't really know how to go about it. That's where she messed up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, could have just, hey, Mike, um, I was going through the cabinet to find Bungo a snack and I stumbled upon this money. You want to tell me what's going on, you know? Simple as that. Simple. Right? Yeah, simple as that. And uh, I've been critical uh, in the past, and and rightfully so, I think, of not having enough representation in the writer's room, and that some of these some of these these storylines are bordering on farce. And whether that's a 2004 story invention that we've become a little savvier in our our consumption of media, if if it's or um, is it the the immediacy with which producers, directors, writers can find out, oh, that didn't land well and, and can and can rework uh, some of their plot devices. Uh, and then again, representation in the writer's room. But it, it seems like we're all kind of circling around the same thing is that it, it, it's completely okay of me to have questions about this and not feel safe with you, not feel safe for my daughter. Uh, Cassie with a K talked about not feel safe about having you around my daughter without having the right answers to these questions. Um, but as as with many things, right, it's about approach. And, and yeah. so I, I, I did, I was really proud of Susan because a lot of times I can, I can find Susan to be somewhat mousy and submissive and not taking charge of, of things and be manipulative. I don't even know if manipulative is the right word, but just kind of pussyfooting around things. And it, I did find it to be empowering that she said, you know, it, I hope your secrets keep you warm at night because it is okay that I ask these questions. It's fine for me to have those questions um before i get to the end of my rope and as she's leaving um we kind of have all of these all of the the plots kind of coming together because lynette drops her kids off with susan right after this breakup right after this whole fight um drops her kids off with susan and just leaves and man it's been a while since susan had kids that little yeah and now she's got four yeah, I, I, I really, I was like, this is such, such bad timing because I know, you know, I've been through breakups before and you don't want to be with mm. nobody. You just want to be alone. You just want to think to yourself about what just happened. Um, And then to go um back a little bit, not to get off this topic, but I, I also thought of the fact of 
what if it had been a different housewife? Like, let's say Gabby was dating Mike and found the money. Would she have reacted differently to finding all this money? Like, oh, he has money. He can take care of me. Let me, <laughs> let me really, let me really, um, you know, get get on it with him because he he got right. Me. So, or even right. Edie or somebody else um, stumbling about uh, on that money. If the reaction of the housewife would have been different, because Susan was very, um, she was a very honest person. Um, mm-hmm. She was, she, you know, she always wanted to do what was right. She was, she was very caring and nice, um, a very nice character. Even though she gets a lot of hate by a lot of fans, um, I try to look at like why she would do things sometimes, and it just, it just felt like maybe if it was a different housewife who had stumbled about that money, maybe they would have reacted a lot differently. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, that's fascinating. Uh, Cassie with a C, we talked about Gabby. Do you want to talk about another house? Like Lynette. Lynette, I feel like Lynette would have been um, just completely confront, like right in the Mm -hmm. moment. Like, hey, I was like, like, like uh, Cassie with a C, you said, I was looking for dog biscuits and I found some money. You want to talk about this? Like that would have been Lynette. That would have been. been, That would have been Lynette's approach. Yeah, because. Lynette is more upfront, where, like you said, Susan mosses around, but Lynette mm-hmm. takes the direct approach. And mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that had it been her instead of Susan, that would have been the reaction. No, I think that was I think that was fascinating and putting and, and we will see in it later later in the the series we will see a, the same situation happening to a different housewife in that way and it being approached by in in different ways. Um, one that comes to mind is you can't marry this guy you just met him. Well, you just met you just met this guy too. Yeah, but that was different. Remember how badly that turned out. And without giving away too many spoilers, but we will see them um, being critical of one another. Uh, that yeah, it didn't work out well for me. So that's how I can tell you this is a bad idea. Um, but to kind of get back to you know now now Susan has the kids and Lynette has just is gone. Um, they leave the kids with Danielle and um, Susan and Bree go off to find Lynette. And they find her in a field and she admits to abusing the medication. And Lynette just, it really breaks my heart with Lynette saying, I love my kids so much. I'm so sorry. They have me as a mother and words like humiliating and other people make it look easy. And then Susan and Brie really show up for her. Susan usually is pretty vulnerable about, you know, I'm, I was out of my mind almost every day hate to bring it to you susan you're still out of your mind most days but yeah and brie, but brie somebody who is not usually vulnerable brie said that she used to use her kids as nap, nap times to, to cry. cry yeah it was just it was they i i love that they showed up for her in this moment um and i wondered about your thoughts there yeah i thought that was a beautiful moment that that they showed um, especially with Brie, you know, she never wants to admit, um, defeat. She never, she was never yeah. really big about that. Um, um, like Cassie said earlier, it was, it's, she wanted to paint this picture perfect family that she's perfect. She's a perfect mother. And that's the, the, mm-hmm. the way everybody viewed her. And even Lynette says that, you know, you guys make it seem so easy. And I think the one that makes it look the easiest is probably Susan, but I think it's just because she had, she had a great kid. She got lucky that Julie was mm. um, such a good daughter. So I just think with, with Susan, she just got lucky. 
Yeah, I agree totally. If she had the secret, she would give it to some. She would give it to somebody. But sometimes the secret is your kid is just your kid, and I swear I was there. She's mine. But I think about that with my own child. I'm like, wow, you are so kind. You are so caring. I think I was a child sociopath. Um, <laughs> so my, my I'm like mom, I don't think I got the right kid because uh, sometimes they are just a different. They're just not you. They're not the same person as you, even though they're yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why they went so with, with Danielle. Like, who whose idea was that? <laughs> yeah, of who's all idea? people. <laughs> That's a great point. Danielle. We over it. Who's yeah. idea? Like, Danielle, out of everybody you could have left the kids with, you're going to leave them with Danielle. If, if an adult right idea was that? Them, <laughs> why, why would she be able to handle them? I'm um, sure it was Susan's idea, but Bree signed off on it because... <laughs> She's got a lot going on with the divorce and whatnot and the child vehicular manslaughter. She should have left the kids with Bongo. Oh, In the house with the floor that collapses, you'd be better Danielle. off with, with Danielle. Oh, and we don't even know all the things about Danielle yet. So yeah. part, of, part of that, I'm sure part of that's coloring our decision. Um Speaking of bad decisions, I guess, um, Mr. Shaw tells Paul that he doesn't do refunds. He he was very clear about the terms of the terms and conditions of their relationship, but he's willing to go see Mrs. Hoover. But Paul says he can't do it again. He he absolutely cannot do it. This is not what Mary else would have wanted. Keep your money. Thanks for the information. Um, but it's not the end for for them, right? This is really the we we have that the the big reveal and this is probably why it brought in as many viewers as it did um is the scene where we have paul going to see mrs huber himself and paul said his wife she she couldn't even kill a fly he confronts mrs huber with a note that mary alice received and mrs huber says i was desperate for money because my husband died and left me with a worthless pension so it was better to take money from a bad person than a good person and she didn't know that Mary Alice would shoot herself um, and that suicide's a big no-no, Paul. She didn't kill herself because, I wrote a note, she killed herself because of what she did to that poor baby. Um, and keep careful on your spoilers here because uh, not everybody's not everybody's the same place with it. But how poetic, I, you know, that Paul hits her on the head with a blunder she stole from Mary Alice, strangles her, and rolls her up in the rug. I don't know. I think she she had it coming. She would have gotten killed by somebody else had Paul not done it. Susan oh, was okay. right there. That was the perfect. Two. Susan was on the edge with with it too. That was perfect. If uh, if if uh, only if Susan had had the had better uh, execution skills, I suppose. Um, man, I can only imagine that woman can't walk through a house without falling through a, falling through the the floor. So I have to imagine um, if she were to plan a murder, she would uh, be a little lacking in her evidence. In her, in her, evidence yeah, behind. you know, as, as usual, Julie will have to clean up the mess, I suppose. Um, but just something, you know, Cassie with a K earlier, you're talking about, she was so happy to be able to keep that blunder after Mary Alice killed herself, um, that she's better off without having that blunder because that became her down, that became like the instrument of her, of her demise really. Um, and just something poetic about that, I feel like. As this is all happening, 
Um, Mike comes to Susan's house and says, you have all the questions, you have questions, I have answers. And she said, that's all that I needed to know. And they are totally um, breaking shit in their hookup. Yeah. So it's just a flat, I love the the cinematography of the flashing between Paul killing uh, Mrs. Hoover and um, Mike and Susan uh, finally getting together. Just a, just uh, I could I can you know what it makes perfect sense in hindsight why this was the most watched episode outside of the finale. Yeah, because yeah. everybody was just waiting for Mike and Susan to to get together, and then Mrs. Huber, you know, I think she was one of the the most hated characters in the in the show. Mm. So I I felt I don't know if you're Game of Thrones I don't know if you're Game of Thrones people but yeah like seeing certain people get killed get their comeuppance is it, it's worth it's a good payoff and Mrs. Huber um, is the first of many I feel like that get killed off that it's a great payoff. Yeah, I mean you don't you don't normally celebrate someone's demise but this she clearly had coming. You you like you're rooting for Paul. You're like yes. Make sure, don't don't leave her breathing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, Make and, sure and, she don't have an ounce of oxygen left. And it, oh my god! It's crazy to me because Paul was perceived by everyone like everybody's afraid of him, mm. you know. And I'm like, why are you guys afraid of him? You guys used to have cookouts with the man. He was like one mm-hmm. of you. Why are you guys afraid mm-hmm. of him? You guys should have been helping him hide the body. Yeah. And Mary yeah, was he, your friend. Paul was Paul. You guys should have helped Paul hide the body. Yeah, because he Paul taught. It, it was said that Paul is the one that taught Julie how to ride her bike. Mm-hmm. Well, why are you afraid of him? Mm-hmm. It, it it really was this Paul antagonist checking kind of this red herring about you know the 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 malice or malevolence of um of Paul and. I mean, it does take a certain level of something to to take the life out of somebody. But you're right. We all rooted for him in that moment that nobody's sorry to see her go. Yeah. She's just very unsympathetic. So um, with the last words, Mary Alice panning over that there is a widely read book that tells us everyone is a sinner. And of course, everyone uh, who reads this book does not feel guilt over the bad things they do. In contrast, there are those who assume more than their fair share of the blame. There are others who soothe their consciences with small acts of kindness or by telling themselves that their sins were justified. And then there are the ones that simply vow to do better next time and pray for forgiveness. And sometimes those prayers are answered and it's just all of this happening with Andrew is texting, happy as a clam, doesn't really care about the vehicular manslaughter. Lynette sleeping and dreaming of Mary Alice and her kids playing happily in the park. Gabby sponge bathing, uh, Juanita Solis. And you just have all of these, all of these things coalescing, which is why I, the, one of the things that always keeps me coming back to that's where Housewives is the way that they can frame the show about guilt and then bring in all of these pieces and it tells the story of guilt by telling four separate stories. And I just, I feel like that's the genius of, of Desperate Housewives. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think Gabby was <sighs> definitely, I was shocked <laughs> to, to see her. About her. Sponge bath. Doing the sponge bath. Yeah. Oh, I know. She took a minute from doing her nails. Her nails must be, her nails must be done for crap now. Because if you're willing to sacrifice it on a, on the sponge bath, I, su- I suppose. 
Um, but I wanted to take another moment to just say thank you both very much, not only for coming on the pod today, but just for the fantastic work that you do as admins on, on the Facebook group. And I just love being part of this community. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. We awesome. well, I, hope you come, uh, I, I hope you'll come back and uh, we really do want to do a live episode for um, the series finale. So um, meanwhile, next week we are headed towards Suspicious Minds. So until then, I'm Rachel. I'm Cassandra, Cassie with a C. And I'm Cassie <laughs> with a K. And you've been listening to Noisy Fulfillment. See you next time. Bye.